You're listening to Field Day with Katie Black. Okay, welcome to Field Day with Katie Black. I am honored. I have Ralph Sampson in the house. Hello. Hello, Katie. How are you? How's it going? Good, 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 good. How are you doing? I'm doing great today. It's a little rainy here where I'm at, but we like the rain in the country. It's good. I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm on. I'm in Charlotte. Are you in the Virginia area still? Yeah, I'm in the Virginia area. So you, you might have some of the same weather I have right now. Yeah, a little kind of. I don't know. Some people don't like rain, but I do. <laughs> yeah, we we got farmland up here, so it's uh, good for the farmland. But it's been rain, raining quite a lot over the last month, so mm-hmm. hopefully it'll dry out and we don't have a really dry summer because July gets hot. But we'll see. We'll figure it out. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll do that. Well, always I say with my interviews, 1,800 directions we could go. But I wanted to first off show you my dad for years and years has been um, a subscriber to Sports Illustrated. And he showed me, when I told him that I was speaking with you, he showed me this cover that he had from back in the day. Oh, yeah. that's uh, That was a special one. Myself and Patrick Ewing. Uh, on the cover of that and we laid well we didn't they took pictures uh individually and they just laid them i guess in the cover but that was that was the front cover so what was it i mean i understand that you were on the cover four times is that correct uh six times yes six times so what is that any kind of what was that experience like i mean was it were you was it quote unquote normal to you or was it exciting uh, I mean, it was a lot going on in my world at that point in time, you know, being uh, highly recruited from high school um, to have the opportunity to come to the NBA out of high school and college three years in a row. So it was a lot going on. I you know, didn't know what to expect, didn't know how to really deal with it, but I had a great um, system around me with the University of Virginia and our SID department. And obviously I had great coaches and great teammates around me as well. So. We all enjoyed it. I mean, you know, I think the, the student body enjoyed it. Um, I know the fans that you really enjoyed it because the games were always packed. Um, you know, campus was a you know, buzz, but I, I just stayed true to who I am and tried to keep settled and play at a very high level as much as I could. Very cool. Well, I'm going to backtrack to your youth. At, and I've, I'm fascinated asking, you know, here I've been interviewing all these athletes, was wondering at what point did you as a youth know that you're like, I'm really good at basketball? I never paid attention to how good I was. I just wanted to get better every day. Uh, I don't think you can be, you know, I've seen a lot of kids even today and back then that are really good at a certain age and they don't get any better. Um, so I played every day. I had cousins and, and friends and neighborhood people that were better than I was at, at certain ages and always aspired to be like some of them. And when I caught them and, you know, surpassed them, like, you know, that was something that was exciting for me because I was young and we played basketball every day and I could not get in the game because the older guys were playing, they would play rough. And my cousin said, you can't play in these games because we don't want you to get hurt. And I was 10, 12 years old when playing against, you know, 20-year-old, 25-year-old men. And so, you know, as I continue to grow and mature and what I got in the game, 
you know, the last game of the night and they go to 12 and then we get to nine, lights go off, we get to go home. And so anyway, I worked my way through that process and, uh, you know, got there and started to play with the big boys and, and just tried to achieve success every day when I played and, again, stayed the same uh, person as I got to University of Virginia, stayed well, well-grounded and just worked my tail off every day. That's amazing. Obviously, I understand that you were, you know, what is it? I guess I'm just fascinated. What is it like to be, you know, in high school, heavily at a young age watched and then in college heavily watched? Is that something that, you know, I don't know. I just I'm curious at like how what is that experience like to know that everyone's kind of watching you or do you block that out or? Yeah, again, I mean, you know, it's all started in high school, obviously. And, you know, I didn't like uh, basketball when I was growing up because we played on eight foot ground, eight, eight foot baskets. And, you know, I was, you know, six, four at that point in time. And, and I could score only 16 points a game and it was kind of boring. So I played baseball. Basketball came interested in me after, you know, baseball because baseball was a little bit boring for me in the outfield. And so I just stuck to basketball. But my high school coach gets all the credit, Coach Roger Berge. Uh, he made all the rules with us and my, my, my parents. Uh, uh, we, we abided by those rules. And basically, no one really could contact me uh, during the recruiting process. If they did, they were X'd off the list. Um, I, he, he took the calls. He took, handled the mail and the letters. I got mail every day. Um, you know, bring them home. My parents would look at them. I never really opened a whole lot of them. My parents would open them. My sister would open. They would be excited about you know this coach called, that coach called, this coach emailed. I mean, uh, mail, mailed you stuff. So it was fun uh, for not only myself and my family, and you know, now that I look back, it, it was uh, fun for the community of Harrisonburg. It created a lot of revenue for the city. Because uh, coaches would come from all over and come to the game to stay a couple of days in hotels and the restaurants were full. So that was fun. Uh, but for me, I, I got to be a normal student. That's what I wanted to be. And my high school gets all that credit. Very cool. Well, that's always nice to hear. Do you feel like you had a mentor in high school and college? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's coach. I mean, a coach is, I think, more, more, more than a mentor. But he was a coach. He was a, a mentor, the father figure. He was a, you know, guidance counselor. He I mean, I had teachers that were the same, um, parents that were the same, uncles and aunts that were the same. So, I had a good village around me in Harrisonburg because the, the northeast section of Harrisonburg where we live, I had cousins and, and family on pretty much every block. And so uh, growing up, it was fun, and, and high school was fun. And it, I think a lot of people enjoyed it and got to watch, um, you know, me mature and play and, and, and get to the NBA in life. So researching you and obviously knowing you, you've won a lot of awards. In college, you were a three-time college player of the year. Again, what was, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, again, stay still grounded. Um, I didn't go out to play to be college player of the year. Uh, I went out to win. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we were able to achieve that in my freshman year. And when we won the NIT in Madison Square Garden, my second year, we went to the Final Four. And each other year after that, we were in the, in the finals of the uh, region or somewhere in the NCAA tournament. 
And so, you know, awards are awards. I, you know, my high school coach taught us, you know, we, we play for championships. The first day of practice, the first day of summer workouts, whatever it was, that's the first day that we will win a state title. And that stayed with me even today where, you know, I, I wake up every day. I, I want to achieve success today. I wake up and the day is the day I'm going to achieve certain things. Uh, it's not a championship on the basketball court. It's not a, a college play of the year, but those awards were, were out there. Um, and uh, I definitely appreciate them. Uh, and uh, my family actually cherishes them and has them in, you know, we have them in cased in, in, in the house and some security situations. But, um, you know, if you get one and you don't, it's, you may not expect to get another and you get two and then you say a senior, you get three. And you really don't know what it's going to feel like because you, after the third one, you're you not one to draft pick, and so you look forward to that. And now looking back, it's history, and it makes you know, it makes uh, myself and my I think my family proud that you know at least I'm one of two two guys and has ever done that. So I appreciate that award for sure. Also, just for my curiosity, did you ever have any rituals going to games that you did, like keep a coin in your pocket or chew a specific kind of gum or anything like that? Uh, not really. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, we always players have our routines. Um, I never had a ritual, uh, I would say, but you know, I'd stretch before I played. I got to the gym early. We shot, I mean, this is the NBA style. I mean, high school, you know, um, you know, again, everything is based on my high school career. Um, our, our goal was to win and I, I didn't lose too many games in high school. And then the goal was we went to some opponent's team's gym. We left the gym better than it was when we got it. So it was clean out. It was clean when we left it because, you know, we know we were, we, we knew we were pretty good. We didn't lose much, as I said, but we didn't want to, you know, trash the gym and leave water bottles. So our high school coach taught us that. And I took that with me pretty much everywhere I went um, in the NBA, although we had more staff and more people in the NBA doing certain things. So, I just made sure my stuff was clean and my area was clean and and what I did, you know, I said so I could be peaceful and go on to the next next game and try to win that game as well. Very cool. So for those that don't know, you were the first selection of the nineteen eighty three draft into the NBA. So what is basketball and this might be a rookie question, but is the college basketball game completely different than the NBA game? Yes, and way different. I mean, uh, the rules are a little bit different even today. And back then, they were way different. Um, you know, no no zone, no no different defenses in college and, and in NBA. Uh, today's a little bit different because you can do zones and certain things. Three-point line is more effective in the NBA today than college. Uh, and I do believe the day's game is a little bit similar in college and NBA because it's, it's kind of evolved. Because there's no, you know, seven footers out there now. They can post up and play. There's some big guys, but everybody's shooting three. So the game has changed dramatically. I think when it comes down to positions on the floor, and then I think when we played in college and NBA, it was an art form because you had to run a certain play to be effective. Now you can dribble, 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 and shoot. And if you're effective, you can shoot. That's great. If not, you know, you, you get beat. So. I love it. Actually, when I played against today's game, but you know, I still love the game of basketball no matter what. 
Now, this might be an unfair question, but um, during your NBA career, did you have a favorite team that you played on or one that you enjoyed? No, I, I mean, I played the Houston Rockets in my first seven years, Golden State Warriors a couple of years, Sacramento Kings a couple of years, a little stint in Washington, and then I went overseas. But I, I really appreciate every team I played on because I learned a lot from each individual team and each individual teammate. So it was fun to play. You know, like I said, when I grew up, I just loved to play the game, no matter what. You know, I didn't want to get traded from Houston, but that's the nature of the beast. And uh, so I had to go out there and enjoy that team at that point in time. It was a totally different dynamic than each team had at that point. During your whole career, like obviously starting in high school and then obviously throughout going into the NBA professional, et cetera, how I'm fascinated also by how did you keep good people around you or know maybe when someone didn't have the best interest that was in your circle? You, you never know who was uh, good or bad in your circle. You know the ones that you grew up with, how good they were, and then you trusted, so you depend upon them. And even sometimes that they grow up with you, they, they tend to veer off and do other things and and take advantage, but then it's nature of the beast in the NBA, and I think professional sports and life uh, at, at, at any level. So you just got to be cognizant of that going in, and you know, uh, don't befriend a whole lot of people, but also you got to have really good people around you. So, you know, I had, a, I had a good agent when I first started that turned to be bad agent, and then I had to get rid of him. And then, you know, I had a good friend that, that came in and helped me organize everything, and he, he did a great job. And uh, it was a roommate of mine in college. So you just got to find the right people to work with and uh, be settled with and be happy at, 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 any, at any level because it's very tough to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. I mean, it's like you said, I mean, even if you're not an, you know, professional athlete, you can also, it's good tools to have to assess who's in your life, regardless of your occupation. I've learned that too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a hard lesson to learn, but once you learn it, you get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going into, I know that you had a significant knee injury and back injury. Yeah, I, didn't, I had a knee injury, yes. Uh, back, just I fell on my back, but the knee injury, yes. I had a knee injury, uh, three, three knee surgeries. So, so with my research, I understand that, um, is it true that it happened because of like some polish on the ground, on the floor? Is that true? Uh, no, it, uh, um, I, um, uh, you know, as you look back, you, you can kind of sense kind of how things happen. I think it started, uh, while I was obviously pounding in college a little bit, I had a, a, a neat, a, a deep thigh bruise in college due to, um, a hit by a teammate basically in, 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 um, in practice, uh, that was four or five days before the game of the decade with Patrick Yorn in Georgetown. So, you know, I, I, and I wasn't going to play in that game no matter what, obviously. Um, and I uh, got my knee drained. I still stuck a needle in the left side of my knee and drained the fluid out so it wouldn't be as tight. Luckily, uh, when you drain synovial fluid out of your joint, if there's any red in it, it's blood means something's going on. And luckily, I didn't have any red blood in, in, the, in, the, in the extraction of the fluid. And so we just taped it up and, you know, iced it and I took a day off and I went back to playing. So maybe that started my knee injuries. I, we, and I obviously don't know, but that started. And then uh, NBA-wise, I just turned kind of weird in a, in a game playing defense 
on a guy named Bill Hanslick and twisted my knee, and it felt just like it popped out of joint. We went in the locker room, we popped it back in joint, and then it popped back out, and that's when I knew I had something more serious. Um, and do you believe that that obviously was a major factor in you being able to execute the game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that knee injury, I mean, you know, today's technology is totally different than back then. They just basically said, let's take it out. And when you, you have to understand, when you take a, a piece of cartilage or uh, ligament out of the knee, um, you know, it's, it was meant to be there. So basically, we, we just got, a, I got an operation. I took the part that was torn out and it was pretty significant. And, you know, ended up being bone on bone. So you bone on bone, you keep pounding, pound away, you never get back to, you know, normally what you were used to. And I never did. Getting back to who I was, I mean, I got back and I played, yes. Uh, and still a high level in Houston, you know, but can continue pounding, pounding, pounding. From there, got me, you know, um, got worse. And I think, you know, then another piece of the fragment of the, of the um, cartilage out and lodged in the joint. I had to go back and get that out. And then you're compensating for one leg and your other leg gets, starts getting the same thing. So it's kind of a downward downward spiral if you, you know, back then because we didn't, if I know what I know today, I'd sit out the whole year. I came back in eight weeks because I wanted to play. I would sit out, the, most guys today would sit out the whole year and get it done and get that therapy rehab and even try to, you know, mend the uh, cartilage together with the technology is totally different. And they would have came back. I mean, it would have been a totally different ballgame. I understand. And was that because, like, a, the doctors okayed you? Or did you want to, you over, you know what I mean? Was it a conversation where the doctors were kind of like, you can go back when you feel comfortable? Or No, I mean, again, it's totally different today. I mean, back then, you got to, you know, there was no load management time off. There was, there was uh, you know, you have to play. Uh, the fans wanted to see you play. The team wanted to see you play. They wanted to win. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was different money back then, you know, as the players got and the team owned. So they picked, the owners wanted all the money they could get their hands on. So they wanted the players to play. I mean, our, our area guys played with, if you look at Isaiah Thomas in the, in the, in the finals of a NBA championship, he played with, with a bum ankle. And obviously he had the willpower to do that and play and play well. But that ankle probably was really bad. And there's guys I've seen that play with stitches, you know, in their eyes and the face and the chin, whatever, hand, broken fingers, whatever. Today, players wouldn't do that. Uh, they, you know, when you got a, you know, Steph Curry that's worth, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, you know, you, you can't put him out there and get him hurt because he's very valuable to the team, uh, you know, at, at any given you know, level. So the big boys now, you know, and, and Steph, and he won, he's one of the guys I do know that doesn't take any time off for load management. He plays every night if he can, and if he's 100%, and then they'll give him time off the rest. But, you know, I respect this game at the highest level because I know him and his father. And that father is one of the old school guys like myself that I know he, he, he taught him well. So stuff like that you can just understand as you continue to play the game of basketball. What is it like to – so 1995 was your last year playing, correct? Mm-hmm. So what is that, what is that like to, you know, this basketball be such a, such a piece of your life and then to have it, you know, stop? What is that experience like? Well, all of us that play know it's going to stop at some point. Um, and as you get, uh, they say, long in the tooth and years, you, you know that, you know, 
you, you, it's coming it's coming fast. I mean, you know, LeBron James, you know, now 18, 19 years in the league, I mean, he's taken extremely great care of his body. He's a freak of nature. Uh, Kobe Bryant was the same, but, you know, in the Kobe's, Kobe Bryant's years, he got Achilles tendon injury, and the injury started to pile up a little bit. And the last couple of years with LeBron, same thing, injury pop, but he, he, again, he takes great care of his body. But you know that's coming. You know retirement's coming. And you look at uh, Tom Brady, he knows retirement's coming. But if he can play as long as he can, the guys are going to play. I mean, he retired and came back and, you know, because he had that itch. He talked to his family, I'm sure. And he said, basically, I still got it. I got a great team around me, and I can win. If Tom Brady didn't have a great team around me, around him, he probably would have retired. So you got to look at all factors, and you know it's coming, and then you prepare for it. And that day you wake up and say, I can't do it anymore. Then you know it's there. So that happened. That happened to me. That happened to everybody I know in some, some respect, in a respectful way, I should say. Does anyone prepare you for something like that, or is that just a self-journey? It's a self journey. No one can prepare you for that. <clears throat> so I also understand that you were a coach for several years. What is wearing the coaching hat like? I coached at JMU with the great Lefty Dizel. JMU is in my hometown, James Madison University. And Lefty actually recruited me uh, to go to Maryland when he was the head coach there. And I was coming out of high school. So it was a great relationship. Uh, and it was fun. Uh, I coached there. I coached with Phoenix as a player development coach. I coach in the IBA and the head coach in the Richmond Rhythm and, you know, uh, international uh, professional league. So I, I enjoy the game of basketball. If I could coach it, I could be, you know, a water boy, whatever. I mean, whatever in the game of basketball, that's fun to do. And, then, you know, I would, I would be there and try to get that done. And so coaching is the ability to help, you know, another guy, girl, whoever it may be, you know, be better on the court and give them the fundamentals that the coaches gave me and pass it on to the next generation. Very cool. Those that don't know, um, Mr. Sampson and I are under the Believe Family Network. You have a podcast, Center Court Podcast, which is released every Tuesday. So what is it What is it like having a podcast? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, we have, uh, we, we, we've turned a radio show in that's uh, in a number of states around the country into a podcast with Believe. And we are now just, just um, over our 100th show uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's been fun. Uh, I guess it's been, you know, all, all walks of life from, you know, sports figures to musicians to book writers to, you know, people at high levels in administration. Uh, we just interviewed recently the president and CEO of the NASCAR track in, in Las Vegas. And so, you know, and, and, and ironically, he was a, you know, the tie there was he was a sportscaster when I was in college, you know, so the stories get to be pretty crazy. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that we want to do. We want to do something interesting. And we know, you know, all the fans out there might want to listen to athletes and people know that, but sometimes you, 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 you know, everybody is not going to be an athlete. And that's what Center Court's all about. We wanted to make sure we highlight people that we interview and stories that we tell. Uh, we had a we had a we had a, we had a story on there a couple of weeks ago a 92 year old man and I told our production people I mean can he get on Zoom he's 92 I mean uh, why are we interviewing this guy and he was one of the best interviews that I thought we've ever done 
And the first question I asked him after I saw his very, very vibrant uh, man, you know, what, what is it? What do you take every day? What is, what is it? He said, Ralph, I said, I never retired. You know, if you retire and then you, you know, get old, but he's 92, he's a lawyer. He was friends with Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholson, not Jack Nicholas. And he was the uh, commissioner of the LPGA at one point in time, could have been a commissioner of baseball, football, uh, but he just never retired at 92. And he was the most exciting guy we've interviewed, I think, in the last, uh, in the first hundred shows. Very cool. Very cool. <clears throat> So also, um, there's a Samson Family Foundation. Can you tell listeners a little bit about it? Yes, we created, uh, me and my family created the Samson Family Foundation. It's samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Um, in honor of my, my, actually my mother and father and the stuff we do and the work we do in Virginia across the country, we have an initiative uh, with my father because he had uh, prostate and lung cancer. And uh, it took me a number of years to get him 100% healthy. He is 86 this summer, and he's on no medication and doing extremely well. So that is with the University of Virginia uh, at the Emily Kirk Center. Katie Kirk, actually sister, that passed away of cancer. So we have a center there at UVA. And we raised quite $400,000 thus far for for that, and we also do it in Harrisonburg at Rockingham Memorial Hospital. So we have two different, what is called the Ralph L. Sampson Senior Hope Fund at um, those uh, uh, those hospitals. And then we're building the Sarah Sampson, which is my mother, uh, scholarship fund at Virginia State. And we continue to work on that and try to get that up and running as well. And then we take on certain initiatives that I want to, attack, I want to tackle. And one was, uh, I wanted the high school that I went to to have my coach's name on the floor, not mine, my coach's name. So we got that done. And uh, whatever other initiatives we come up with, we, we, we just try to tackle and support and help. That's awesome. Well, props to you. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So towards the end of the interview, I always kind of ask an offbeat question that I'm fascinated by. And so was wondering and it's it started because i love the old unsolved mystery series with robert stack mm-hmm. and so my favorite segment is the unexplained and was wondering if you ever have seen a ghost or experienced uh-huh. something experienced something that just was obviously unexplained that you can share no i mean i'm believing the, the, the ghost story but you know, when I get tired or when I get uh, a little bit off my, my grind, I go to our family farm and I cut grass and I'm just out on the tractor and in the fields where I grew up. Uh, uh, well, count my uncles and, and stuff on the farm and just to work and just enjoy family, family reunion, butchering day, stuff like that. And I can go there and kind of just feel my uncles that's passed on. I can feel my grandparents. I can smell the grass. I can I can get recentered when I go there, and I and I'm good. You know when I'm there because uh, I'm at peace, and that's definitely it's very surreal for me that I can be able to do that. Well, awesome! Thank you for sharing. I You're love welcome. that. You're welcome. I always um I yeah just later in life I totally believe that. 
you know, when someone passes, just their vessel is gone. So mm-hmm. their spirit's always around. So I, I love that. Well, Ralph, that's it. All right. You're welcome. So Thank welcome. you so much. Did you, did you have fun? Oh yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. What an honor. Like I said, I really appreciate you. You know, I was going to say sitting down, but virtually. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's, that's what we do these days, right? I know. Yeah. I know. Well, like right. I said, I know I sound like a broken record, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I, I hope to actually meet you someday. Well, we'll figure it out. You're in Charlotte, so we're not too far away. So take care. True. Have a great weekend. You too. Bye. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.